player should go for goal. We deflected Haywood here. Could be a lovely goal for Villa. Johnson, it is! It could be nine. Open the body. Into the net. Superb goal from Melissa Johnson. Body steps up and finds the corner. She gets the goal. They arrived as Aztecs in Aston Villa Women Podcast by Under a Gaslit Lamp.com. It's been a while, but we're back with another episode of They Arrived as Aztecs, our podcast dedicated to everything Aston Villa women. We have a huge amount to talk about ranging over the last few months or so, as well as future impending games. I'm Regan, and you can find me on Twitter at FindFoy, and I'm joined for the foreseeable future by Georgia. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Georgia, and I'm on Twitter at G-E-O-R-L-H. Really happy to be jumping in for Mark today. And hopefully the three of us can have a good discussion sometime soon. Now, the main reason this podcast has, has taken so long is the, the stop-start nature of Aston Villa women's season, really. The fixture list naturally has had a number of breaks in it for international breaks and other reasons. But the ongoing pandemic has somewhat curtailed the season so far. Internal outbreaks, outbreaks within other teams and the resulting postponements have shown to be somewhat of an issue in the Women's Super League this season. Do you think that this stop-start nature to the season could have had a, a positive or, or even a negative effect to the side? Obviously, they've had a lot of time to prepare. Um, the change in the fixtures means that the side aren't preparing for specific opposition, though, at times. Um, I think it's a difficult one. I mean, the players, they obviously want to get on with things. They love the game and it's frustrating not to be able to play. But then at the same time, that doesn't mean they can't make the most of these breaks, you know, reflect on recent performances and come back as an improved side. We are still a new team and it's important to remember that. I mean, as we know, it was a difficult start to life in the Super League. We lost quite a lot of players and the season started with a few losses on the bounce. But from the results, it looks like the breaks actually helped us. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we, we've we've had some unfortunate results we've had some some good games where we could have perhaps come away with um more than we did but you know when, when Aston Villa returned to action after over a month after all the internal outbreaks for the pandemic um they did so in an emphatic manner really against Brighton and Hove Albion the side immediately looked better than they had in previous fixtures. You know, they, they were operating in almost a, a new look, dynamic formation, and there were notable changes in the manner that, that the ladies were playing. In, previ- in previous games, um, you know, Lisa Voice would look rooted to a spot, and the same with Sean Rogers in, a, in the opening defeat to, to Manchester City women. Um, but, you know, at, at any time that there was a loose ball kind of in the, in the Villa final third, Lisa Voice was, was quick to dart towards loose balls in almost a, a sweeper-keeper role. Um, Davies, Gemma Davies' side looked the better of the two in the first half that ended 0-0. Um, and, and neither side would score until after an hour had been played. Veteran Anita Asante produced a exquisite side-footed curled effort into the top corner of the net. What are your thoughts on Asante on the pitch? You know, I personally thought that a veteran player would perhaps struggle in this year's WSL, despite all of her experience. But I'd say I've been proven wrong. You know, the the former Chelsea player has looked one of the more astute signings of this summer. Um, you know, I know she's very vocal 
off the pitch uh, around a, a numerous uh, matter of topics. She's very vocal on the pitch as well. But w- what are your thoughts on Asanta? Yeah, well, it's taken a bit of time for her to establish herself within that first team for some reason. But, I mean, I think you know this already, but I'm a big fan of Asante. Um, she, she's one of my role models on and off the pitch. Like you said, she's involved um, in the community a lot. She's got tons of experience, loads of trophies to show for it. So I was really hoping that she'd do well with us at Villa. Um, and I think she's definitely proved her worth within that game. She attended to her defensive duties really well in the opening part of the game. Um, I don't think Vice had too much to do. And then, obviously, she went on to score and in such an impressive way as well. We're used to defenders getting involved with headers from corners and stuff, but it's not every day they're curling one in from the edge of the box. Yeah, absolutely not. I was quite shocked to see that uh, that she'd scored that goal. And you know, throughout the game, I was I was quite impressed because it almost seemed like she was she was kind of balancing a a a bit of a a dual role. She was she was playing as a defender at times when when the side needed it in a back three. Um, but then when when Villa were in possession, she'd move into the midfield and almost act as kind of like a, a more holding midfielder, more like the, the Douglas Louise role, if, if, you, if you like. And, you know, it, it was impressive to see this kind of fluidity for, for Aston Villa women because over the last kind of... Um, you know, couple of games, it's it's seemed very rigid, and and a lot of teams have kind of come at us and and exploited our rigidity. Um, but you know, it, it it wasn't just the the only good goal of the game. You know, the the game was rounded off um, as 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 Lisa Voice made an outstanding save from range um, and and caught the resulting corner. Um, and she fired a pass over the Brighton defence and into the path of the onrushing Ramona Petzelberger, who managed to lob the Brighton keeper with a deaf chip and ensure that all three points were secured. Just how important was this first win for Aston Villa? Massive, yeah. Um, I think what I loved most about that performance was the fact that that second goal came in injury time. So it showed we weren't satisfied with that one goal lead and continued to push until the end to secure that three points. And that's the kind of mentality we need in the Super League. That second goal, like you said, it was a great one to watch. A goalkeeper assist and a lob from Petzelberger. Um, I think it would have been easy for us to be intimidated by that kind of pressure that you talked about at the end of the game. The big save from Vice and what a response from her, getting herself an assist. Um, that's definitely one that I watched a few times when they posted it on Twitter, the goal. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was exceptional. It was quick thinking and, you know, it, it's showing her her not only her her leadership but her experience as well. I'm sure I'm sure that's something that she's attempted or tried in, in, in numerous times and in, in numerous fixtures before this one. Um, you know, and, and there's been a lot of comparisons this season between between Sean Rogers and between Lisa Voice. Uh, Lisa Voice has been between the sticks for the vast majority of the games. Um and, and that's mainly due to to Rogers I th- I believe being quarantined during during the, the outbreak. Um I think she was dealing with a, a bit of a shoulder injury at one point. And of course, she was she was dropped directly after the Manchester City game because of the the kind of defensive mishaps that were going on there. Following on from this game was an absolutely emphatic win against Coventry United ladies, last season's FA Women's Championship opponents. 
Aston Villa women looked hungry for goals from the off and they, they, they scored with the first attack as Emily Soim squared the ball across goal for Nadine Hansen to finish. Three minutes later and Nadine Hansen was at the double and you know it was producing an almost like-for-like finish to, to push Villa further ahead. Um, Emily Soim followed with a goal of her own shortly after with an audacious backheeled attempt at the end of an Emma Follis pass before Nadine Hansen had hit her hat-trick before the 30-minute mark. It was another prodded effort as well, you know, very, very similar goals for Hansen's hat-trick. Since the start of the season, Nadine Hansen's only really endured brief spells in the team before losing her place. Is this first half performance likely to increase her game time in the future, do you think? Yeah, I'd hope so. You're right, the first two goals, they were really, really similar. So something must definitely be working in training. And then her third goal, that was a bit more scrappy, but... It's really important we're putting in those kinds of goals as well. Um, so she's definitely showed what she has to offer. Um, a first half hat trick from a midfielder isn't something that will be forgotten about anytime soon. So yeah, I would like to see more of her. And it's good that we've got different options now. You know, um, so many girls getting on the score sheet. Um, we've got a lot to choose from. Yeah, and that's that's something that that the the. The summer signings have provided. We've we've got such a depth and such a quality in depth now. Um, you know, obviously the 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 side and Aluko and and Davies aren't going to want to rest on their laurels. That they're, they're going to want to improve in in every window. And I'm sure that there'll be more signings that come through the door in January. Um, but you know, we've we've got a lot of of talented players, a lot of talented local players like Amy West. Um, and 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 players that have come through our regional talent centre, and Mixing that with kind of international level players like uh, Stina Larson, Diana Silva, it, it's pushing the, the the players that have come through the RTC to to play better or to a better standard so that they're they're not losing their place in the team. But it's also like you know, like Nadine Hansen, the the players that are joined us in the championship and, and helped us get promoted have perhaps lost their place now to the likes of Chloe Arthur. Um, you know, they play in very similar positions and to to kind of challenge for that role, especially in a cup game and, and get a hat trick, you know, it, it it it's nothing but a good sign. Um five minutes into the second half and and, and Villa had made it five. Emma Follis finished from the penalty spot as she was pushed to the floor in the box. Um, you know, it, this game was just absolute glut of goals. Six minutes after Follis's goal and Diana Silva had scored their first goal for the club as Hansen turned provider and the Portuguese international latched onto the ball at the far post. Substitute Sharnia Hales uh, scored after being on the pitch for just 10 minutes before dispatching a second just four minutes later. And then the villains picked their ninth of the game with the final kick of the game as Sharnia Hales found Diana Silva, who chipped the ball into the right of the net for a brace of her own. You know, Coventry United are, are considered, um, you know, FA Women's Championship strugglers almost. Does this result show that? Currently, Aston Villa women are too good of a side for the second tier. They're still adjusting life uh, in, into life in the WSL, and that's shown by some of the results that we've had. But you know, beating a bottom half championship side 9-0 surely shows that they're too good to be in the second tier. Definitely. And I'm a bit of a softie when it comes to big score lines. Um, I can't help but find them a bit brutal, hard to watch. But I'm really happy we didn't sit back after the break. Um, having such a hard start, um, you know, three losses to start the league season, 
Um, I think a cup run will do us the world of good um, in terms of confidence, experience, team morale, playing teams like Coventry and then later Durham. There are definitely opportunities for us to show that we deserve to be where we are at the moment, um, even if we've had a couple of hard games in the league. Um, the step up is obviously massive and I think these games have sort of shown that. Yeah, they have. And, you know, the, the you know you talk about the step up and a lot of fans... Um, we're quite excited for for the next game that we're going to discuss, and that's that's as Aston Villa women hosted Birmingham City women at Villa Park for the first ever Second City derby contested in the Women's Super League. There was a few changes from the the emphatic Coventry win, and and Villa went into this bout hoping to to string positive form together with another league win. The game was pretty even throughout the first half. Villa had the best of the chances. They hit the woodwork twice, and uh, you know it was it was very much a game of of two very even teams, and you could quite quite evidently see it going to a, to a nil nil at half time scoreline, and perhaps even a nil nil at full time scoreline. I know a lot of fans that generally don't watch the women's side tuned in for this game. Um, and I think it's interesting, you know, a, a lot of fans expect Villa to always beat the Blues, regardless of of how the two sides have been positioned of recent years. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting because the, the Villa women's side are almost the the Blues of the the men's team, if you get what I mean. Like, you know, the Birmingham City women have been, you know, in the prem in the well in the women's super league for for so many years and they they're a very talented team and and you know villa are the, the the new the new girls in the league basically um so it it, it was a, a bit of a table turn moment for a lot of fans who perhaps are not too invested in women's football but wanted to tune in for this game um in the second half, the Blues came at the blocks and, and made all three of their available changes before the 70th minute, which I found rather interesting as they'd, they'd got a depleted matchday squad of, of just 14 due to an outbreak within their camp. Um, but it was Blues that would eventually take the lead through Claudia Walker, who slammed home an effort off the underside of the bar after a poor-headed clearance from Alicia and Dow. Is it is it disappointing to have lost at home after a run of three wins in all competitions, or is is that feeling just the the disappointment of losing a second city derby at Villa Park? Um, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. I mean, I can hear the pain in your voice just saying that we lost to Blues. So <laughs> yeah, um, definitely a bit of both. There's a lot of pressure of it being the first ever Blues Villa meeting, you know, in the in the Women's Super League, like you said, and it was at Villa Park. Um, it was a really high-profile game. Um, definitely agree that um, a lot of people tuned in that don't necessarily know too much about um, the league or women's game in general. They don't follow it, which is great. You know, they can attract new people. Um, but yeah, like you said, the only issue is that people automatically think the women's team should mirror, mirror the men's in terms of where they are in the league. So. Yeah, I think a lot of people did underestimate Blues. Um, you know, it wasn't long ago that they were in the FA Cup semi-final. They've got a lot more experience than us at this level. Um, but I think we, we did match them. You know, it was a decent performance. Um, the goal that won them the game, it was quite frustrating to watch. I mean, we I think it was Endow, she, she cleared the ball um, 
and it just fell to the feet of their striker. So, um, yeah, disappointing that we could have done a bit better there. Um, Claudia Walker, she took the shot really well. You can't take that away from her. But, yeah, it's annoying that it could have been avoided if we cleared it better. Yeah, and I think that's the key thing. It it was an avoidable goal. And, you know, Gemma Davis has come out uh, in kind of club media pieces and, and said, you know, in, in certain games we've been too predictable, in certain games we've we've shot ourselves in the foot. And it's, you know, it's it's that kind of new new league kind of syndrome you know um davis has never managed in the wsl and it it's it's so interesting because in previous podcasts me and mark have discussed how the the women's side is i know we've just spoke about that people expect it to to mirror that the, you know the the men's side but in terms of how the season is going the women's side is almost mirroring the men's side of last season um almost kind of, you know, playing well but not quite grinding out results, shooting themselves in the foot at moments. Um, and, you know, we, we were saying that it may be worthwhile for, for Gemma Davies to perhaps, you know, they, they you know they all share the training grounds, perhaps speak to Dean Smith and, and, and kind of get into his head about the, the, the experiences of last season because, you know, that was his first season in, in the top flight of, of, of men's football. So. Yeah, it is really similar, actually, especially when you think about, um, you know, the great run we went on right at the end um, in the men's team. And then obviously the women's team went unbeaten last season to get up. And then we lost so many players, both the men's and women's team. We sort of had to start from scratching away, trying to gel, trying to find our feet in a brand new league. The quality is just so much better um, in the top flight. So it is quite a similar experience, actually, watching... Um, the women's team this season compared to the men's last. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously you me- you mentioned the transfers and it's, it is, you, we lost likes of, you know, Kerry Welsh and, and Jane, Jade Richards. And, and it was, it was players that were perhaps, um, I don't want to say too old because I don't think you can ever put an age on, on a footballer, but that they, they perhaps wouldn't been able to have made the step up to the WSL. And, it's it's very similar to when when the men's side got promoted. You know the likes of Mila Jedinak, Glenn Wheeler, and Albert Doma. They they were all kind of let go and they moved on to pastures new or or retired. Um, and it, you know it, it's similar with the women's. They they had a good squad and they got promoted, but the squad that they had wouldn't have been good enough to perhaps stay in the WSL. And that's that's the goal first and foremost this season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not sure how much it helped that um, a lot of them hadn't kicked a ball for a long time. Um, you know, the the season it ended quite early, didn't it, for the for the women's um, teams last year. Um, so I don't know whether that had an effect as well. Um, I'm not sure when they started this season um, in terms of training and stuff. Um, but you know, it's it's definitely come together for us a bit now, um, and I'm hoping that our second half of the season won't quite be as stressful as the men's last year. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Um, in the final game that we're going to discuss, Aston Villa secured their pay, but their place in the knockout stages of the Continental Cup against last season's promotion challengers from the FA Women's Championship, Durham Women. 
Now, Durham took the lead early on as winger Emily Roberts flummoxed goalkeeper Sean Rogers with a half-shot, half-cross that kind of nestled in the far corner of the net, despite Rogers' best efforts at an acrobatic save. Now, Durham had started this game with almost like a ravenous intensity that made it really hard for, for Villa women to kind of play their style of football. And for, for vast amounts of the first half, they were, they were pinned inside their own half. Does this kind of worry you at all moving forward, seeing a, a a championship side kind of have so much dominance against us, despite that, you know, we, we did field a, a weaker team per se, but it, for me it is slightly concerning that the entire first half we were kind of pressed by Durham. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal, is it? I think their shot was lucky. Um, it was... It was a cross that turned into a goal, like you said. Um, but you're right, they definitely looked more lively than us in the first half. Um, they had quite a lot of early chances. I think Rogers saved a few. They hit the post as well. Um, so, yeah, the scoreline probably did reflect the game in the first half, in my opinion. Um, I don't think it's something to worry about unless it's happening week in, week out. Um it's definitely not the dynamic you'd want to see in the game, but um, one positive I will point out is that um, it allowed our defence to step up, especially Sean Rogers, the keeper, um, and I was really impressed with her performance. So, yeah, mixed opinions on that, really. Well, Gemma Davies' side started the second half that the much stronger of the sides, and they, they took control of the game, um, it, likely as you know Durham began to regress following their relentless pressing in the first half. Um, and... It was it it was Emma Follis that that was the player to pick up an equaliser fifteen minutes from time with a well hit free kick which bounced under the goalkeeper and into the bottom left corner of the net. Uh, in the dying embers of the game, Durham could have won it after a mistake from Anita Asante allowed the the, the home side to counter, um, but Sean Rogers was alert and got down low to block the shot. The game went to penalties as Conti Cup draws do. Um, just to give the winner an extra point, and in this tie, the extra point would decide who would top the table and play uh, perhaps an easier side, um, depending on on you know what group we were matched up against, um, an easier side in the knockouts. Uh, for the penalties, Emma Follis stepped up and her shot was off target. Durham's first from Sarah Wilson was a goal. Nadine Hansen stepped up next for Aston Villa, which was a goal. And then Sean Rogers... Um, saved Beth Heppel's attempt before Caroline Seams scored Villas and then Rogers saved another from uh, Durham's Molly Lambert. The next three goals, uh, two for Villa obviously and one for one for Durham, all went in. Uh, but you know, Sean Rogers, it was it was an exceptional kind of penalty shootout performance. Exactly what you want to see from a goalkeeper. And and she's certainly given Gemma Davy something to thinking about think about after that performance, surely. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Um it was great to see her back and um what a performance to come back with. Um we haven't seen her since the opening league game against Man City, um, where she did look nervous. And the end it was her mistakes that possibly led to that 2-0 loss um, which I think is a real shame because she worked so hard as our number one to get into the Women's Super League and then maybe the pressure, the step up, the fact that game, it was on TV I think and it was at Villa Park, um, possibly a bit too much for her on that opening game Um, but she looked a completely different player against Durham. She was the star of the show really and made some really important saves including one in injury time um, to get us to penalties in the first place and then obviously went on to save two of them. 
I think we were actually quite lucky to have her um, play in that day and, and to have her have the game of her life, pretty much. Um, you know, it clearly meant the world to her. Um, I think being that we were already through, um, maybe this game was more about her proving herself and Durham um, being so lively. They definitely gave her the chance to prove that. Um, so, yeah, she did really, really well. Absolutely. And, and you know... It's like I said earlier. It's it's something for Davies to think about, and you know I, I I wouldn't say there's too much difference in terms of 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 voice and and Rogers in terms of quality, and you know that's really interesting to say considering that that Rogers has been with us for the last few seasons in the Championship, and and voice all I guess not actually because. She spent the majority of her career in in Germany, um, and then and then moved to Lyon. And obviously, the the Lyon move kind of clouds a few things because y- you think, okay, she's playing for the best team in women's football, but she she made a very limited amount of appearances. Um, so I think maybe even like one or two three or four it was a handful of appearances so you know I, I think in terms of quality Rogers and and voice um are quite similar but it's perhaps it's the confidence of voice and and perhaps the leadership and experience of voice that that is setting her apart slightly at the moment um but obviously we'll see moving forward into into the next game uh who Davies opts to go with yeah definitely I mean it's great to have uh two players competing for the same shot I think it does wonders for players sometimes um, I mean, that could have been partially why um, Rogers did so well against Durham. You know, she'd been out for quite a while, um, like I said, for various reasons. And that was really her chance to prove herself. Um, so maybe we'll see both of them improving, you know, in parallel to each other. Yeah, hopefully. Um, you know, I, I interviewed Lisa Voice a, a couple of months back and um, as the, the, the kind of training ground for the women went into shutdown because of the outbreak um and she was saying you know her and her and sean help each other a lot on the training grounds and you know there's going to be that rivalry there for for the number one shirt but at the same time they're they're peers they're friends they're they're going to help each other and you know one playing great in a cup game is going to force voice to up her game and and you know vice versa um this weekend, Aston Villa women take on unbeaten, top-of-the-table side Manchester United women who are enjoying an exceptional second season in the top flight of women's football. The side made some exceptional signings in the summer, including 32-year-old double Women's World Cup winner Tobin Heath. Um, and, you know, th- these two sides met in United's inaugural year in the in the Championship when United were, despite their be- it being their first year, a uh, fully paid professional outfit and Villa's setup was very much still semi-professional. Uh, in the first meeting of that season, United thrashed Villa 12-0 at home and then the second, United beat Villa 5-0. Both sides have improved vastly since then, and the game should be a little tighter than in previous meetings. But United are still clear favourites. You know, it it is interesting because obviously, if both sides have have, have improved vastly, you're looking more at how much Villa have improved, um, because those are two two big big score lines. Um, you know, twelve nil at at the former home of Villa, uh, Boldness at Michaels, and then five nil. United's home ground you know how important is it to avoid an embarrassing scoreline here we've already had a big scoreline a 6-0 defeat against Everton at home this season so how important is it to avoid another one 
Yeah, it is greatly important. I mean, as much as I'm happy that Man United are doing quite well because they didn't have a women's team for over a decade and now it proves to their board and the club that having one is definitely in their best interests. Um, that being said, I am feeling nervous going into this game. You know, their form is really scary at the moment, especially for a team that's, um, you know, just about finding their feet to come up against them. Um, I just hope it's not an embarrassing one, like you said. Um, it's taken us a few games to get those first points and build a bit of confidence at this new level. So that's probably the worst thing about losing by five or six goals. It does serious things to team morale and confidence. Um I can't help but think as well that every women's game seems to be perceived as like a representation of women in sport as a whole. And these big score lines, they're always used to criticise the whole gender or the whole league, which is obviously completely unfair as they happen in every sport. Um, but yeah, it'd be good not to give anyone that ammunition. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we we've we've spoken about this on on previous podcasts me and mark have that that mistakes in the game as well we spoke about sean rogers mistakes against man city um that they're much more likely to to kind of be inflammatory and and go viral because people can latch onto them and kind of attribute this negative kind of opinion towards the women's game um onto those mistakes you know that the um the 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 mistakes that Sean Rogers made went viral on Twitter with with people sharing them talking about equal pay and things like that and you know women's super league players generally haven't said anything about equal pay it's the likes of Megan Rapino and and the US uh, women's national team that have mentioned things like that but it, it a lot of things get kind of lumped in into into just women's football and you know if, if a big scoreline happens then people just think oh you know the uh, most of the teams are, are, are crap and stuff like that it's, it's certainly not the case um but you know man united uh, an incredible squad at the moment and then it's the same with the likes of chelsea man city even everton how big of an issue is the is the disparity between the top teams and the rest of the league at the moment um yeah i think it's exaggerated slightly by the fact that there's only 12 teams in the league you know a few poor results and you've got absolutely nowhere to hide um i think it's normal that the league has a few front runners and actually there's more in the race at this point than I thought there would be. Um, I actually thought it'd take United a bit longer to get to the top, maybe another season or two. Um, I expected Man City and Chelsea to be the two competing for the top and then maybe Arsenal and Everton up there as well. But all five of those teams at the moment are definitely fighting for it. So even though United are the team we're all talking about at the moment, I think we'll be in for another exciting title race, definitely. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. But, uh, you know, at the same time, mainly our attention is going to be going to be a... Uh looking at the bottom half of the table and hoping that Villa kind of steer away from that that sole relegation spot and I think they'll have enough to do so uh, especially with more investment in in January um and that's the main thing for this season you know I don't think anybody expected even with all the kind of quality that we brought in in the summer I don't think anyone expected us to kind of be be challenging in the the top half of the league almost you know it's it, obviously at the top half generally is a, a top six um in in this league but I don't think anyone expected that in the first season I think it's always been kind of avoiding relegation and solidifying ourselves as as WSL 
AWSL team. And I think, you know, that's the most important thing. Um, before we end this week's podcast, a short and sweet score prediction for the game. Um, well, I'm hoping we do nick a point from it. Uh, so I'm going to go for 1-1, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I think we will lose, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a two nil. Uh, I hope that's all we concede, but two nil is is my prediction. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how next podcast will go. We'll have to see. <laughs> Hopefully, it's a happier one rather than a sad one, because the men's podcasts have all been quite sad over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's probably the best place to end it. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave us a review on uh, whatever platform you're listening on or give us a follow on, on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, you leave comments on social media as well. We, we, we love to hear from you and, and hear your thoughts about the podcasts. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at Villa Lamp, on Facebook forward slash under a gaslit lamp, on, on Instagram at under a gaslit lamp. Thanks for listening, guys, and up the villa.